Unshaken is a discipleship podcast that exists to edify and encourage all believers in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the Apostle Paul writes, Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. By His divine power, Jesus has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So let's consider together how we might spur one another on towards love and good works. Join us as we talk about various topics, including the work of the ministry, the many joys and challenges of the Christian life, and the Holy Spirit whom Jesus promised would guide us into all truth. We continue today in Charles Spurgeon's book, Lectures to My Students, picking up in chapter 9, entitled, Attention. All right, we're back after two weeks off. Um, you know, I've enjoyed the, the rest, but we, we've been hard at work, too. It's a labor yep. of love being in the ministry. Yep. And uh, Bob, he, he spoke at our main services two weekends ago. And for me, I, I, I spoke and, and taught on First Samuel chapter 16 uh, this past weekend. And now we're, we're back. And we're, yep. we've got the time to continue through this this wonderful book this podcast and we're on chapter nine now yep it's a lot a lot of really good stuff in this chapter yes. very practical i love practical uh, so let's let's get into it yeah this was a great chapter i i got so much out of the things that uh, spurgeon had to say and share about when he come came to attention uh in the very opening chapter on nine at the very first paragraph I highlighted where he said that overlooked topic, how to obtain and retain the attention of our hearers. Their attention must be gained or nothing can be done with them. And it must be retained or we go on word spinning and no good will come of it. And he opens up right. And in fact, in the very opening paragraph, he talks about something of attention is very given very little attention to in homiletical uh, studies and uh, in just learning on homiletics itself, he sounds. It sounds like he shares that there's not very much notice given to attention in books on expository teaching, and and I would ask the question. I wonder why. You know. Yeah, yeah, and this is a big. This is a big thing, especially for for the teaching pastors, when it comes to keeping and like he says obtaining not just obtaining but retaining and keeping the attention of their hearers of the congregation those who they're speaking to and as they deliver the message from the word of mm -hmm. god how do we how do we keep their attention how do we um, do our part in in keeping them engaged because um, there can be many times many a time where mm -hmm. we we lose their attention for whatever reason. And uh, he, in this chapter, he, he covers uh, both angles, right? From, yes. from the people's perspective to maybe w what we're doing or, or the lack thereof mm -hmm. and how we can um, ensure that they are attentive and that they are listening and learning from, from what the word of God has to say. Uh, yeah. I think it's important when, when one um, important point and when you are 
preparing to a study to sermonize or to present to your audience, a congregation, or even a Bible study, uh, you, you have to have um, interest in what you're going to share to them. But not only interest, but there's substance to them to be able to feed on, to be able to grow. Um, yeah. You know, you're not just giving them milk, mm-hmm. you know, because milk is only good until you begin to mature. And once they begin to mature, you, then our responsibility as pastors is making sure we're feeding them healthy dose of spiritual food so that they can grow. And for me as a pastor, I think that's important, just not just for the spiritual growth, but we're challenging our audience of putting into practice the very things that they're learning. And that's our responsibility to do that. Yeah, he says this in the next paragraph. He says, if men's minds are wandering far away, they cannot receive the truth. And it is much the same if they are inactive. They, the people, must be awake, understanding what we are saying and feeling its force. <laughs> or else we may as well go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's that's so true. I mean, um, if we ourselves are not interested in what we are sharing, then how in the world are we do we expect the very people that we're engaging to be interested in the stuff that we ourselves are not interested in, or you know, as well. Exactly, it's very very important, you know, yep. that we take to light. And and he talks about that at near the end of the chapter about that, which I don't want to get too much into that because we can share that when we get there. But I like what he says in one page one twenty eight. Um, I'm kind of jumping ahead. You might have something before that, but in the second paragraph where he says. It may be it may be their duty to attend, but it's it is far more your duty to make them do so. You must attract the fish to your hook, and if they do not come, you should blame the fishermen and not the fish. Compel them to stand still a while and hear what God the Lord would speak to their souls. And that's again, what are you feeding them? You know, what type of food are they are you allowing them to, to um, nourish on? Right. That's something right. that we have to take into account whenever we prepare for a study, prepare to teach or prepare a message. Because he points out as well that there are some in, in the congregation who do not care to be interested. He said that at the top of this paragraph that we're on. And and it's it's true. It, this yep. is this is the, the reality. The fact of the matter is there's people that come to church religiously. They really aren't interested mm-hmm. in what's taking place. Yep here in the in the service in the worship service but we as pastors the way we deliver our messages our sermons and the the content and the substance like you were saying mm-hmm. that could really be a game changer especially for those individuals who yep. they come in initially without a care in the world yep but they hear they hear what you have to say they they sense your your passion mm-hmm behind it yes it'll it'll it's it'll prove to be contagious yeah Yeah. i think that's a a good a good word that you share um being passionate um it's like our relationship with 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 god um are we passionate about our relationship with god or is it a casual relationship that we have with jesus christ there's a big difference between the two and when people see your passion about your walk with god it's evident and the same i think in preaching and teaching when they see you're passionate um, about what you're sharing, and they can sense that by your, you know, your your mannerisms, your your voice inflections, your tone, and also the content of what you're sharing. Then, yeah, you're going to draw them in. They're going to be engaged in what you have to say. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot. There was so much stuff in this chapter. It's just very difficult to kind of decipher through and 
because we can share on just one point for quite a long time because it's he does it very well. It's very practical, like you said. This chapter was very, very practical on the things that uh, that I read anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On page 129, I don't know if you highlight at the top of the chapter, top of the page, he says, you must drive the mosquitoes away and secure your people's undistracted thoughts, turning them out of the channel in which they have been running six days into one suitable for the Sabbath. You must have sufficient leverage in your discourse and in its and its subject to lift them right up from the earth to which they cleave and to elevate them a little f- nearer, a little nearer heaven. And I think what we're talking about is is the contents of the content of what you're sharing, because like you said, two people do come in here. You know, we're we're in ministry full time, so we don't have that issues to where we have to work in the workforce out in the secular world for five days a week and then come to church. We're, we're here, I'm not saying a, a sacred environment, but we don't have to deal with all the kind of stuff that normal people that are working uh, a regular job deal with every every day during the sure. weekday. Sure. And sometimes I think what he was sharing there, which really makes a good point, that when we are preparing for to teach, maybe we're not bringing that perspective you know, into our own thought process uh, that where these people have uh, been where they are coming out of now they come into here uh, for the ministry ministry of the word of God yeah you know what I mean yeah another thing too is that seven days a week we know we know this seven days a week people are looking to be entertained yep and what's happening is they're being entertained all week and then they come to church and we need to provide them with something different yep we need to be able to show them or communicate to them, that there is something more pleasurable. There's more to be desired mm-hmm. than what we're experiencing in the other six days of the week yep. with with whether it be sports or politics and the latest trends yep. and fashion, whatever. Um, people need to see and, and understand that the Word of God is beautiful, mm-hmm. that it's inexhaustible, and there's so much good goodness to be found in it. And and that's our job is to to present it in such a way that it is appealing, yeah. that it is um, not simply a, a source of entertainment, but there's that it's infinitely more valuable yeah. than than their other experiences throughout the week. Yeah, and the word of God, if you think about it, you know, it's it's a blueprint for life. So when I think about God's word, it's it's a game changer. And like you said, you you you, you share some really key points that entertainment with sports and multimedia and everything that's out of politics. And those are things that Satan is using to draw the people away from what's really important, which is a time that you are to spend with the Lord. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and we can all get drawn into that. It's, it's, it's a subtle um, deception and it's very easy to get sucked in. And so we don't know what these people are doing five or six days a week before they come here. Like you said, you know, how many are on playing video games? How many are watching, you know, NFL uh, ticket, you know, and, and sports, sports center, ESPN, how many people are into politics and, and, you know, on Facebook and social media, getting back and forth on, on, on debates and in a quorum with people on their own opinions about what's going on in our world and in our country politically yeah. And so when we come, they come to church on Sunday, like you said, we have to give them more substance than what they're getting through the weekday, Monday through Saturday. 
And to me, if you take the word of God seriously, then there is more substance. There's much more substance that we, that if they under look into the scriptures and say, wow, what am I missing? And we can get, like I said, we can get caught up with all this stuff. But to me, this is what's going to break, keep balance and keep you anchored. Mm-hmm. And like, and like you were saying, we have to present that in such a way that, hey, this is better. This is better than anything that you're experiencing right now in your life, no matter where God has you in your station. If you're not in this, then we have to show them this is a better way. Right, right. To, to lift them right up from the earth to which they cleave, he says, mm-hmm. and to elevate them a little nearer heaven. Yep. It's, it's supposed to be inspirational yep. and motivational uh, as we, of course, we're, we're not straying from the word of God. That's not what I mean when I say that. But we're, we're inspiring them and motivating yep. the people of God to want to taste and see that the Lord yep. is good, not just on Sundays, yep. not just on the Sabbath, Yep. But seven days a seven week. Seven days a week. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, we give them, they come here whether Saturday, Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday. To me, that's just, all we're doing is pointing them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, if we're giving them good substance, hopefully they will take that and go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're taking it now another step for right. their own personal uh, right. benefit by getting into it on their own. Yeah. Discovering it on their own personally what God has in store for them yeah. as we're giving it to them practically when we're in the pulpit teaching. Yeah, that's our I hope. Mean, that's our prayer. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I said, in my home church, um, I, I took my pastor seriously. And so, you know, we didn't have the, the, the technology that we have today, of course. So my um, iPad was my yellow notebook paper and my spiral <laughs> binder, right? Taking notes. But I, I learned so much. And because I... Because he made things so interesting and so challenging. And also he, he made my mind very inquisitive. Like he says, something like, where do you get that from? I go, I didn't see that there. So I would go home and open the Bible up and I would read that verse and I read my notes. And I go, how the heck did he get that? Where did that come from? But that's what perked my curiosity to want to know more. He was the one that made the study so interesting that it made me go home and look up those verses again because I want to know how he got that. You know what I mean? And I think in the same way, that's how we challenge them. We give them something like an element of surprise, so to speak. So they go, wait a minute, how did he get that from that verse? Mm-hmm. Perk their interest, prayerfully they go home and say, okay, I got to read that because I don't, I don't see that there. And maybe instill within them now this curiosity to discover it and check it out for themselves. And they become students of the Word. Yep. And they, they begin to, to dig in deeper for, for themselves. And, yep. And it's great because there's, there's believers in the church, too, have, who've been in the faith for many years. And even for them, it may be, it may be a nugget that the pastor uh, gives that the, in all their years of, of reading Scripture, yep. they've never seen before. And it just goes to show once again that yep. the Bible, the Word of God is is inexhaustible. It is so there, much. There's so many treasures to be found in it. Uh, and and that we just, yeah, we just need to yep. to dig in. Just like we're going through this Wednesday's, you know, The Kingdom Man with Tony Evans, right? Mm-hmm. And there are things that he is sharing on verses that I've read many times over. But he brings something out like, wait a minute, I never heard it like that before. Yeah. And, you know, I've been a Christian 41 plus years. I've read those verses many times over. But now he's bringing out a nugget that I had never even considered. 
nothing in, in taking away from scripture, like you said, inexhaustible, inspirational, but it just it's just like, whoa. And that's what excites you when you can see how God's word is relevant for all the ages. It never changes. It's so timeless, yep. yeah. He moves into this this section on one twenty nine on I guess the the place and the atmosphere of of which the the word of God is being brought. Mm-hmm. He says frequently it's very difficult for congregations to attend because of the place and the atmosphere. And then he goes into you know opening up the windows. We don't we don't want it to be to be hot, and we need uh, we need ventilation, mm-hmm. right? So that the people are able to to focus, mm-hmm. and it's just a better le- overall learning environment. Mm-hmm. He says, "Pray that the windows of heaven may be opened, but begin by opening the windows of your meeting house." Mm-hmm. He said, "Look at many of our country places. I'm afraid our city chapels too, and you'll find that the windows are not made to open." Again, this is back in what the 1800s, yeah. that we, which he was living and writing in. But for us today, I'm I'm just so thankful. Yeah. I, I wrote next to this two letters A C. <laughs> Thank God yeah. for for air conditioning, yeah. and it's important, you, you know, for for the the people of God to to be be comfortable mm-hmm. in in God's house, ready ready to learn, ready to to hear from His Word, mm-hmm. and and if it's hot and stuffy and the place is packed. Mm-hmm. And it's just warm air, yeah. no circulation. Then, you know, we got to do something about that. Yeah. Or else it, it'll become a distraction. Yeah. And people won't be able to focus on what truly matters. Yeah. yeah when I read that, you know, I understood that he was writing back, of course, during his era. But I kind of like took a little bit different twist on that about um, frequently it is very difficult for congregation to attend because of the place and the atmosphere. And I was thinking about you know, making sure that there's no contention in the congregation. You know what I'm saying? Mm. The contentious spirit, um, cliques in the church, all those takes away from a comfortable atmosphere. And when there's issues that are happening within the congregation and the people know it, then it becomes really uncomfortable for them to sit there when they know there's things that are going on that, in other words, we're not, we're not, we're not wrong and right. Mm. And that's another, you know, not, and believe me, I, I've seen situations like that happen before. Uh, in ministries that causes splits and, and divisions where people leave simply because they know of something going on, they see it not being taken care of, and they sit there and go, how in the world can this church function and do what it's doing in this quote-unquote spirit of love when we all know that this situation is taking place and nobody seems to be want to do anything about it? And that's another, from a different place I'm sharing, um, but I think that's also important that you know we make sure that everything within the the, the congregation so there's there's unity there mm-hmm. um there's love there yeah um there's people getting along with one another it's hard to sit there um maybe not in a big church like this but in a smaller church setting when you know there's problems and they're not being dealt with and not being attended to it causes a lot of uncomfortability for people that are aware of that situation to come in the church and sit there and know wow this problem has been persisting for a while, but they th- they seem like they don't even want to take care of it or deal with the issues at hand. So that's I I took it from that place. So it's creating that healthy atmosphere yes, exactly. relationally, yeah, amongst the, yeah. the people. Right, it's important. It's, they're the sheep, mm-hmm. and like like you read, you know, from your study about you know, and Peter, 
you know, the, the shepherd of the flock of God, which is among you. God has made you overseer. Part of that is dealing with confrontation. Nobody likes that, right. but you have to deal with it if you want to make sure that the sheep ma- maintain health um, within the body of Christ. So, yeah, there's got to be some health there and, and, and making sure there's not situations happening that causes issues that can permeate throughout the congregation that becomes a major problem. Mm-hmm. And that's will not be uh, an atmosphere of comfortability or a place of comfortability be difficult when those things are happening. Like I said, in a large church, it may not be so noticeable, but in a smaller church, it, they come, become very noticeable. Right. That goes for, for us on stage as well, whether it be, you know, the senior pastor or the worship leader, that people are, are literally looking to mm-hmm. uh, being up there on, on stage. And if there's any sort of tension within relationships oh, yeah. Yeah. between the person on stage and the person out in the congregation, you know, that needs that needs to get sorted out yep. and sorted out fairly quickly yeah. or else I'll be having people in worship looking at me thinking, how can he be possibly yep. trying to lead me yep. into God's presence right now yep. when we have we have this little skirmish going on on yeah. the side? And, and Satan's very good at doing that kind of stuff. He would he likes nothing more than cause divisions and strife between God's people, because he knows you know a house as as a house divided cannot stand. Mm-hmm. And so when you have division within, uh, especially in God's house, there's going to be problems. It's it's yeah. just you know it's going to happen. I think you mentioned this on page 130 earlier when you said, uh, in the second paragraph, it says, sometimes the manners of our people are inimical, uh, meaning that they're self-absorbed. I kind of looked up that word. What does that mean? Um, to attention, they are not in the habit of attending. They attend the chapel, but do not attend to the preacher. Uh, they come in all times, sometimes with much stamping, squeaking of booths, and banging of the doors, meaning they're not really paying attention to what's going on around them. Well, they're self-absorbed. And you were talking about that just a minute ago. They come in, but they're not really coming in for the teaching. You're, I think you shared a little bit earlier. You know, they're, they're, they're focusing their attention. But yeah, and, and I have a very good view of, <laughs> of the people being, being one who's on stage all the time. And, and it's so distracting when people are getting up and, and walking around or leaving to go yeah. to the bathroom and then walking back to their seats. And it unfortunately, but it's true, I see this going on with like the the same individuals every <laughs> single yeah. week. Yep. And it's like, man, what you know, what why do you have to go to the bathroom, you know, every every yeah. morning at, at nine forty five <laughs> on on a Sunday. And, you know, take care of that um beforehand yeah. and and be present and attend to the preacher attend to the worship the yeah. gathering that's that's why we're here and i i want to share this this story because <laughs> i just thought it was so funny uh this is this is spurgeon um, sharing an experience he said i was preaching once to a people who continually looked around and i adopted the expedient of saying now friends as it is so very interesting to you to know who comes in, and it disturbs me so very much for you to look around, I will, if you like, describe each one as he comes in so that you may sit <laughs> and look at me and keep and keep up at least a show of decency. And that's, that's just, it's a little extreme, but it's, it's kind of humorous as well. It's, it shows how ridiculous this is when, when people, they come, but they're not fully present and... 
and it becomes quite obvious. It's a distraction. Yeah. yeah. It comes a big, I mean, not for everybody. I think some people can just kind of, you know, tune it out. Um, they have that type of perspective on when they teach, they don't let a whole lot bother them. But some people are very bothered by movement, noise, um, people getting up, leaving, coming back in, um, things such as that. And I, I know some people, they, that bothers them quite a bit when there's a lot of movement in the sanctuary and, you know, because people are just not paying attention. Uh, like I shared, when I was teaching, I think another one says they attend to the, the church, the chapel, but not do not attend to the preacher. And I made a comment of, which, again, you get the bird's eye view when you're up in the pulpit or on the stage and you're looking out. But I'm surprised at how many people sit there and they don't have their Bibles or even an app to follow along. To me, that's more distracting than anything, you know, when I'm teaching. Because I'm thinking, why are you listening to me? Um, you're not attending to the preacher. You, you should be attending to God through the preacher to get whatever God wants to speak to you from the study that you are attending to at this very moment. Um, maybe I'm old school. I'm, I don't care if you have a Bible, you have a, you have your phone, you Bible app on your phone or your, or your pad. You should be following along with the teaching. You know, it, I mean, how in the world are you going to grow and learn or how are you going to know if God is personally speaking to you about something if you don't have your Bible open, follow along with the study or your app, follow along in the study. And that's me, is you attend to the chapel, you're there in church, but you're not attending to the preacher. You know, I, I just, to me, it's like, gosh, that's like walking outside your house with no clothes on. You know, you're going to get dressed, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, but to come to church without your Bible, it's like, I almost want to say, then why are you coming to church for? Mm. If you're not coming with your Bible, then what are you here for? You're here to learn. And one of the ways you learn is when you open up your, the Bible or to open up your app and follow along with the study. You know, to me, that's almost, it's, to me, it's a sin when you, if you're not doing that. Yeah. that that's just my opinion. Well, some, some do. They, they, they treat church as a social outlet. Wow, and that's, and yeah. it's, it's sad, you know, they're it missing is. out. It's like, like you, you do worship, right? I'm sure there's nothing more that really discourages your spirit when people just sit there and they look at you. They're not even engaging in worship, but they're just mm -hmm. watching you and the worship team sing as if they're getting entertained for the first 20 minutes of the service or whatever, 25 minutes. Like, dude, you're supposed to be engaging in worship. Yeah, this is not a concert. It's like, you realize, like... I'm and not here to entertain you. Um, but there's been yeah. a real paradigm shift, I think, you know, over the last 20, 20 25 years when it comes to the, the perspective of people of their idea of church. You know, it's not the same as was, I don't want to go back to when I was going to church. They, it's just def, very different today, um, you know, on how the trends are within church services, you know, people attending church now. It's very different. Yeah, especially with with the younger generations. The, oh, the yeah. attention span oh, yeah. is so much shorter. We talked about this, I think, a couple episodes ago, and yep. it's it's sad. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know how, I don't have answers to that, but, you know, my, my thing is the younger, the young generation they don't understand the, the depth of the future of the church, the, the, the seriousness. If God tarries another 20 years, 10 years, right? They're going to be our future, yep. you know? And, and to me, they, they have a lot to benefit from if they take, you know, coming to church seriously and what God's doing in their lives seriously. Because we don't know, you know, who on those young kids is the next Billy Graham or Billy Sunday or Louis Palau, Jonathan Edwards. We don't know the person that God can take and say, 
I want to use you. And that person says, here I am, Lord, use me. And that's all it takes is one that starts a fire. And, and it's not that the old people can't do it as well. He can too. I think, you know, as long as you make yourself available. But like you said, yeah, I don't know what the answers are because you deal with the young people. Yeah. And you know a lot I mean? of them, a lot of them don't like to read. Wow. Are you seriously? A lot, a lot of them wow. are, are not readers and everything is, is YouTube. Everything is video. So let me ask you a question. Do you think the fact, because my, my gr- granddaughter is not a big reader as well. Um, I, I, I'm a big reader. I love reading. So my question to you, do you think that has attributed to the younger kids just not getting into reading because of technology, the apps and everything else? Yeah, technology has a lot to do with it. Games. I mean, there's, yeah, there's just a lot more gaming like you were mentioning. And um, the attention span is, is short. So they they need to be constantly stimulated by by a number of different ways, a number, a number of different things. If you just have a book in front of them and they're supposed to just read and keep reading for mm-hmm. uh, for minutes or hours on end, they w- they won't be able wow. to. And it's yeah, it's it's definitely concerning. And um, I don't I don't know I I don't know if we're uh, if we found an answer to that yet. But um, yeah, the only thing I can think of is shortening sermons and 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 keeping it concise which he he does go on to talk about yeah, in this, he does in this chapter yeah so but well I, yeah i see i'm i'm kind of like on the back burner with that you know i know kids are into you know video gaming or games and stuff like that um but i didn't know that they a lot of them just don't like reading they're they're visual spatial and and kinetic learners so really wow so they they like more hands-on is, is what I'm seeing. And uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, man, reading is reading is important. Oh, yeah. A lot of what we do, a lot of life is, is reading. And not just reading, but reading for comprehension. Yep. Yeah, I, I love reading. I just enjoy reading. He says uh, in this next paragraph... In order to get attention, the first golden rule is always say something worth hearing. Most persons possess an instinct which leads them to desire to hear a good thing. I don't know if that's kind of him hinting at selective <laughs> selective hearing. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, people they they decide they desire to hear a good thing. Yeah. And I think over time we've we've trained our ears to sort of I guess shut off when we know that this is something that's not relevant or mm-hmm. doesn't apply to me. It's not very important. Okay, pastor's going off on a tangent. Um yeah, you lost me. <laughs> yeah, well he says down at the end, down near the bottom of that same paragraph says congregations will not long attend to words, 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 and nothing else. And so I think, yeah, uh, you know, like we talk about in per- sermon preparation, making sure of your contents and your context. Um, because if your context is solid, then your content will be good. In other words, your content will be something that the people are going to say, yeah, I need to listen to this. It's not just, and he talks about in this chapter two about organization mm-hmm. and 
when you are organized, then of course your contents and your contexts are going to be there and you're going to have everything in order for people. They're going to want to hear what you have to say. It's not just a bunch of words because when you are organized, you're not just spewing a bunch of words. To right, me, when you're just saying a, a bunch, of, yeah. When you to me, when you're saying a bunch of words, to me is that you're not organized. You don't know. You don't know where you're going with your stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, congregations will pick up on that really quick. That like, what is this guy saying? Where is he going with 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 his message? There's no um, clear direction. No. And yeah. so yeah, it's true. I mean, always say something worth hearing, or to me, something that's going to grab their attention. Something that's going to challenge them with the the practical application of God's word. You're not just saying stuff as an academic teacher, and he talks about that as well, but you're saying stuff to how that can be applied to the the life. That's what I like when I hear a study, how it's going to be applicable to me. That, to me, is worth hearing. I want to know how I can apply that to me as a Christian, as a man. Right. The desire to hear a good thing. Let, let's not take that to mean tickling their ears. Giving yeah. them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the, what you got to be careful of. That's why when he talked about it in a, in a an earlier chapter about, you know, not teaching God's word because somebody told you this is what they want to hear. Teach on this. I mean, yeah, if it's the Lord leading you by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but that's the labor in, in preparation is, Lord, what do you want me to give to the people? Because you know what best they need to hear. I don't kind of thing, right? And it's like going on uh, at the bottom of page 130, then he goes on to page 131 at the top of the chapter. He says, Thou shalt not steal, for it is, it is a fraud upon your hearers to give them words instead of spiritual food. It says, In the multitude of words there wanted not sin, even in the best preacher. Give your hearers something which they can treasure up and remember, something likely to be useful to them. The best matter from the best of places, solid doctrine from the divine word. Give them manna fresh from the skies. And I, and I like what he said there, because to give fresh manna, that's the labor that you and I have to spend in prayer to give fresh manna, something that God knows that these people need to hear. Um, like I said earlier, you know, it's not difficult to put together a Bible study. It's very simple if you have any type of biblical training and expository um, teaching or homiletics. You can put a study together in no time at all. But it's putting together something that you know God's given you to give to the people. That's the challenge. Yeah. That's what's hard. Yeah. And, and we want to give them a good lasting impression. Exactly. Yep. From, from the things that we preach to even for me, how, how we provide them with songs for for worship mm-hmm. it's it's really that becomes the heartbeat of of the people and this is what they are taking with them into their week mm-hmm. you know is it is it treasures that they can remember and yep. recall yep. and begin implementing and applying to yep. to their daily living and that's to me that's the idea of you know teaching god's word is giving them something that they can take with them and apply to their lives because we don't know what they're going through. God does. And it may be, and your study may minister just to one person, and that's all that matters. If that one person hears something in that study that goes, man, I needed to hear that today, then you did what God called you to do. Yeah. That's the labor of love that you spend because there was one person out there that needed to hear what you had to say, you know. And that's the focus. Is Like I say, when I teach, my audience isn't the congregation. My audience is God. And I'll let God do the rest from that point on. Because it's, it's his study, it's his church, and that, that's his people. Right. And that's all that matters. You know, he gets yeah. the glory for it. Oh, in that same chapter, I, I wrote down on 131, it says, 
Give them something striking, something that a man might get up in the middle of the night to hear, and which is worth his walking 50 miles to listen to you. You are quite capable of doing that. Do it, brethren. Do not con- do it continually, and you will have all the attention you desire. And then I put on the side, I put a, they, this is what they do in Liberia on the Ivory Coast and the Philippines. When they know that a guest speaker is coming, they will come for miles to hear you teach because they you're not from there. And if you are, then they've been told that, hey, we're having a guest speaker. He's a Bible teacher. They'll come from all over to hear you speak. That's, that's the hunger they have. They want to hear something fresh. They want to hear something new. They want to hear something that they can take with them when they go back to their own village or their own province or community. And so when I read that, I go, yep, that's exactly. I mean, when I was in Liberia for that, that conference, convocation, people um, and Bishop DeConte went to pick them up. They, they had walked three hours with no shoes on in the rain wow. to get to the convocation. Wow. And um, and I saw them come in, some of them, you know, with slippers on their feet and clothes just dirty as all get out. And they had fresh clothes from them at the convocation, but also Bishop DeConte and some of the people went out and picked them up and brought them to the, uh, to the uh, church for the conference. So that's how dedicated they are because they, there's such a hunger they have for the Word of God. It's pretty neat to see that. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. But we'll we'll wrap it up here okay. for today. Uh, you mentioning the the arrangement, he says in this next paragraph. Let the good matter which you give them be very clearly arranged. Yep. There's a great deal in that. Yeah, I wrote again on the side of my. I got. I wrote a bunch of stuff. I said the importance of outlining brings structure, organization, and continuity to your study to your sermon. And that we talked about that when you have your study arranged, then you're going to know from point to point, sub point to sub point where you're going. And that's going to be a benefit to you, to the people, the audience, because they see the fact that this guy knows what he's talking about. You're just not up there flapping words uh, and just spewing stuff, but you have a clear direction that you're taking your audience in. And to me, that people like that. They want that. They want to know from start to finish where you're going, how you start, and then how you're going to end. They may not know how you're going to end, but you do. Right, and right. that's the beautiful point. And it's logical. It's clear. It makes sense. Yep. He says this to put the truth before men in a logical, orderly manner, so that they can easily remember it, and they will the more readily receive it. Yep. So yep. we want that. We we want it to be memorable, and we want it to be receptible. Yep. Yeah, and that's the importance of like he and he talks about. We'll get into it later. I don't want to get ahead, but about. You know, making uh, your, your sentence structure and your words to where they can understand what you're saying. You know, um, not like you're running them through like an academic lesson, you know, using a lot of theological language, which it's it's easy to get into to do that. But the people out there, they don't know what you're saying. You know, they, you have to get them to understand. And once they can understand what you're saying, then you're going to draw them in. You're going to captivate your audience. And that's what he talked about here with attention. Yeah, keep it simple. We'll talk more about that next week. Alrighty. As he as he goes into speaking plainly and yeah, just simplifying the message that you're giving so that the people can understand, that they can remember it. Yep. And we want it to have a, a good lasting impression yep. upon them. All for all for God's glory. Yes, exactly.